Welcome back to a Clubfoot Mom podcast. I am your host and fellow Clubfoot Mom, Maureen Hoff. On today's episode, I have the opportunity to speak with Claire Harvey, a fellow Clubfoot Mom who resides in the UK. Claire is also the founder of the organization Head to Toe Charity, which she created to help raise awareness for the correct treatment of Clubfoot. Claire feels passionately about helping parents educate themselves about the Ponsetti method in hopes of avoiding issues that have arisen with her own daughter. Today, we're going to hear from Claire about her daughter's clubfoot journey, why she decided to start her charity, and also talk about the differences between receiving treatment in the UK versus the US. So let's go ahead and dive in. Welcome to the podcast, Claire. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk with you today. So before we start, why don't you just tell everybody where you are located and what your accent is? Well, I'm from England. Um, uh-huh. I'm, in, I'm just down from London. So okay. I probably sound like I'm from London. Uh-huh. You do? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm from Essex, so it's a slightly different accent. But... Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of the same in America. We have all these different accents. We had, yeah. uh, when I had Dr. Kelly on the podcast, he's from uh, Tennessee. And so his voice was like very Southern. And oh. I loved, I loved it. I thought it just adds a different musicality to the podcast than just hearing the same type of voices all the time. Yeah. So that's great. Well, then why don't we just, I'd like to start a little bit different. I like people I'd like you to tell me what kind of your story is, but I I know that you've mentioned to me in the past that you sometimes get nervous about sharing your daughter's story. So I just wanted you to be able to say anything you want to preface your story before we kind of dive into what exactly that is. Well, I think it's not that I'm nervous particularly, or I don't like speaking about it. I mm-hmm. I do quite like talking about it and I want people to know what happened with us and why she's 10 and we're still very much in the process mm-hmm. but I, I worry that it might frighten other people because it's you know it it can happen how it has happened for us but it's so rare mm. I don't want people to think I don't pe- want people to hear what I'm saying and think oh no is this going to be our journey mm. Mm. I think that's and yeah I do hold back a bit sometimes I hold back with, from what I could say. Yeah. And I honestly think that's a, I hear that as a common theme a lot with parents whose things with the Ponsetti method didn't, or their clubfoot treatment didn't go as planned. And they get um, nervous or not about sharing their personal story, but how other people are going to interpret what the, and take that in. Because yeah. then they'll think, um, it's already so fear inducing when your child's going to be born with something. Um, that's like a birth defect or anything like that, that there's this hesitancy, but I really appreciate when people like yourself are willing to share, because I think it adds this big part of awareness to exactly how important it is for parents to understand, advocate, and, um, get correct medical treatment, right? Or do the best that they can in the situation that they have. So I really appreciate your honesty and willingness to tell your story. So thank you so much for being here. Thanks. (laughs) Well, why don't we just start with, let's just jump in and talk about what your clubfoot treatment journey was like with your daughter. Okay. So she was born 
2012. She was my fifth baby. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know anything different. We wasn't expecting what happened. She was born. And, yeah, we saw this little club foot. Mm. Um, and we were told, I mean, even the first day that she was born, by the different consultants, everyone that came in, we were told it was talipes. We were told it's just a club foot. We were told it's really an easy fix. Mm. I mean, we were told it's easy mm-hmm. quite a lot. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I really didn't know what to expect. And certainly the first few days when you go home, you're visited by midwives and health visitors come and I've just told so many different things. I really didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, shall I carry on? Yeah. 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 I think just keep going. So you didn't know what to expect. You found out when she was born. It wasn't identified yeah. in any of the scans that you had before. No. Okay. So she were yeah. told that she had clubfoot, that it would be an easy fix, which I think is very common. I think we all hear that. Like this is the, yeah. this is the, greatest of all birth defects to have because it's so fixable right and so you kind of go into this mindset thinking okay uh this should be easy right but for you guys the journey was different yeah I mean I remember my friends talking about it and I was saying oh no it's fine it's going to be it's just a few casts and Mm -hmm. she doesn't need surgery it's going to be fine I didn't take any photos of her foot because I just I, I don't know I don't know what I was thinking but mm-hmm. just that oh it's easy and mm-hmm. off we go yeah so yeah first cast I think she was 18 days mm-hmm. old mm-hmm. um and I mean I will say this and I'm sure that there'll be people listening that will think oh but that it was a below knee cast mm-hmm. and we were told to come back the following week, but to soak it off the night before. And we just went ahead and did what we were told to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then we, I don't even think, I think it was, I think it's about the seventh or the eighth cast. Mm-hmm. They, they noted that her, um, her Pirani score, mm-hmm. is it the same over with you? Mm-hmm. Pirani score. Yeah. yeah, it that it it jumped. She started with six. It was improving, improving. Then it jumped back. Mm-hmm. So, and the the is it the medial crease mm-hmm. was still there. Mm-hmm. So they just carried on with casting, all below knee cast, and us soaking off the night before. Uh, how many casts did you think she had? Um, I think it was twenty one. And then we stopped count. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know. I wish I knew. Yeah. What? So at what point did you go, okay, something about this isn't right? I don't and- know. I think because right at the very beginning, one of the health visitors said to me, because at the very beginning, I started to look on Google to find out mm-hmm. as much as I could. And I remember her coming around and she said, I, I said to her, oh, I've been looking up talipes. And she laughed and said, oh, it's not talipes. She's just got a club foot. And she looked at my partner and said, oh, keep her off Google. Don't let her keep looking up. And it, it was like a bit of a joke. 
And so I was really reluctant to then carry on looking at what mm-hmm. should be going on. So I, I don't know what made me carry on looking. But then I think it was probably, yeah, around the 20 casts and mm-hmm. the fact that she hadn't had her tenotomy. Mm-hmm. I, and I knew that she should have had that before she did. And it, she was six months old when she had her tenotomy and it was under a general anaesthetic. And I just remember reading that it's supposed to be a local anaesthetic and it's supposed to be done around three months, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, typically babies have no more than seven casts, I think. So that puts them right, if they start right at birth, you know, or a couple weeks after, right around the three-month prop, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's what made me think, Mm -hmm. ah, I don't think this is quite right. Mm. So then did you guys decide to switch doctors? What did you do when you were like, okay, this isn't feeling right? Like, what was the process like? Because in the United States, I, this is one of the things we're going to talk about, but is the differences in the healthcare systems. And I think here, one of the benefits is that if you don't like your doctor or you want a second opinion, you just go get a different doctor within your network, right? Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of negatives about our healthcare system. I'm not going to be the first person to be like, yay. But I think it, there's always that opportunity to switch doctors. Is that the same in the UK with your healthcare system? Well, I did, I did ask the hospital if I did keep questioning what was going on and I was always told, oh no, it's fine. This is absolutely Mm -hmm. fine. And Mm -hmm. so it kept it going. I think she she was certainly over one I can't remember I think it was about as she was coming up to two years old Mm. I I asked for a referral to a specialist team in London Mm -hmm. Um, but to do that I had to go to my family doctor Mm -hmm. and then the hospital that I was with had to agree to that Mm. and then they had to put in writing so it was quite a long process I think it was probably two maybe three months before I could get the referral over Mm. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's a lot of waiting around. Waiting for it. So you go, so you finally get the referral, you go to London and what happens from there? One look at her foot and they said, no, this isn't corrected. Mm. Um, So we, yeah, started the Ponsetti again, right from the very beginning, stretching casts, but ones above the knee. There was no soaking off or anything the night before. Um, then they were going to do a repeat to not to me. I think they took x-rays. It was just completely different. They just knew what they were doing. Mm. Okay. And did it make you feel at ease that they you felt like they knew what they were doing? Um, or was that still kind of trepidation? I was still really nervous. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. And an overwhelming feeling of, I'd let her down for this whole time because Mm. I hadn't gone there sooner. Yeah. I think that's such a hard thing that parents feel is that responsibility and the guilt. But the reality is you were doing what you were asking, whether it was going according to plan and everyone in the, in your healthcare world is saying yes. So it's hard for parents to, um, think anything different you're trusting your healthcare professionals to do what 
they said they're going to do. And so I think it's very. I think they even did actually say to me that if there's a relapse, I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't think that she was ever corrected in the first place, but if there's a relapse, that's normally to do with the parents not bracing her Mm. properly. So that's another thing. I was thinking, oh, it must be my fault Mm. if this isn't working. Mm -hmm. But now with hindsight, I know Mm -hmm. it wasn't quite right. Mm -hmm. So how is your daughter now? So she must be, if she was born in 2012, that must make her 10. Yeah. Yeah. I have a 10-year-old myself, so... I bet she's not, she's so, I'm trying to think of the right word, mm-hmm. tenacious, stubborn, mm-hmm. she's she's full of character, let's say. Okay. okay. <laughs> but so in terms of her clubfoot, mm-hmm. um, she was using AFOs up until six months ago. Mm-hmm. And then they decided that actually her foot's so much on the side it's not really holding in the AFO so she stopped using that now she's just walking on the side of her foot Mm. quite happily but yeah until we move on to the next step which we're not sure what that's going to be yet Mm -hmm. it sounds like it's been quite a journey for you guys was there ever a time where you felt like at peace with it where you're like okay things are going well I think so, yeah. When we first went to London mm. and everything seemed to be working as it should, they were following Ponsetti perfectly. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, they got correction. Um, I think for quite a while she was cor- corrected. Mm-hmm. And then it started, just started to go back again. Mm. So then I think she was three and a half when she had her um tendon transfer mm-hmm. which is quite young mm-hmm. looking back perhaps we should have waited a bit and then after that she seemed fine for a few months mm-hmm. and then just went straight back again mm. so I think yeah. probably that's when I thought I don't think we're ever going to get this corrected mm-hmm. it's ever going to be flat on the floor mm. That's when you were like, well, maybe this, what everyone said about this being easy and a quick fix is not yeah. accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about why, like, let's talk about your charity. Tell us what it is, why you started it. I think it's really important because you guys being willing to share your story and raise awareness is so important. And I'm uh, so grateful for that as a parent. So I want you just to talk about what your charity is and why you started it. All right. Well, it's the head to toe clubfoot charity, or mm-hmm. it was, but we changed that last, oh no, this year, changed it to the head to toe lower limb charity because hmm. we wanted to be a bit more inclusive. There's lots of different lower limb differences and we wanted to cover those as well mm-hmm. and yeah the head to toe was because it's not just about the foot mm-hmm. or in Elsie's case it wasn't just her foot it was the whole process of going to the hospital really started to bring her down 
emotionally and yeah and us as well mm-hmm. and so yeah I felt like I needed to do something I wanted to let people know what had happened to us and I think when I was speaking on different forums online mm-hmm. a few people would say oh this this is quite similar to our story mm. and I'd never heard that before everything else was always really positive mm-hmm. and if it wasn't positive it wasn't too bad it was mm-hmm. you know my child's not sleeping mm-hmm. the boots and bars are banging on the cot that kind of thing mm-hmm. um and so yeah I re- I I just felt like I had to I, I felt if I didn't mm-hmm. with my story then who mm-hmm. will yeah so what's your main goal for the charity what like what are your big ideas behind it what do you want to achieve well going back to this at the very beginning being told that it's an easy fix Mm. and I I I have to say I really hate that I know it can be Mm -hmm. fairly straightforward some families really get on okay with the process and everything Mm -hmm. but I just think it it doesn't give you the whole story I mean Mm. at the very least it's a five-year process isn't it Uh, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's that's a lot of sleepless nights for some people it's a lot of worrying Mm -hmm. and it kind of invalidates if you're feeling low or if you're feeling like it's not like you're not doing your best it it's I don't know I just I, I don't like that phrase Mm-hmm. And I just want people to feel, you know, it isn't that easy. And if you are struggling, it's okay. Then, yeah, it's okay to mm-hmm. talk to us. We we've been through all this, and we know. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I I want to raise awareness of all lower limb conditions. I want people to understand what the process, the the treatment is, mm-hmm. the families that are going through it. I want them to know that they're on the right path mm-hmm. the people that aren't going through it I don't want them to look at a baby with the boots and bars on and make horrible comments or mm-hmm. when you've got a baby in cast and they're looking at you like oh have you broken your baby's leg mm-hmm. you know that all, all that I, I yeah just think much more awareness needs to be raised mm-hmm. and we want to support mental health as well yeah the parents and the children mm-hmm. sorry am I waffling on no, I no, I love that. I think that's so. I mean, it's very similar to what I try to do too. Is just bring it. You're so right about it's a lower limb condition deformity, but it impacts not only the entire child but the entire family, the unit, the parents, yeah. and that mental health aspect of it is really important. And I really appreciate your openness and willingness to share, especially like on your social media platforms about why, like how she has struggled and how it's impacted her overall. Because I do think <clears throat> there is this idea that like everything's going to be okay. And if it's not okay, then it has something to do with you, that you did something wrong as yeah. a parent, that there's something yeah. wrong with your child. If something didn't go as planned, it has to be something you did, which that narrative is really dangerous for parents, especially yeah. for their mental health, like this ability to go. Um, and I just don't think there isn't, there is enough 
emphasis placed on that aspect of the clubfoot treatment journey. Like you said, if if best case scenario, it's still five years long. It's a long time. And like you said, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of anxiety, a lot of questioning and overwhelm and all of that impacts the treatment journey. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you've done that have helped with like your mental health through the process? Oh, I don't really know. I, I think sharing it. Hmm. Yeah. Is- is a big thing I mean I I was really quite nervous about posting certainly on some of the forums Mm -hmm. that I'm on but yeah then you get a couple of parents that say oh yeah me too that it's really nice because then you know I mean I know I'm not on my own Mm -hmm. but yeah to to connect with other people Mm. is really good and actually I've been in the hospital before and people come up oh you're Elsie's mum and I think, mm-hmm. oh yeah. 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 And so we start talking like that. And I, yeah, that's really helped. Yeah. I I'm a huge proponent for that too. I think you're right. If I can echo that yeah. is being able to share and then find the community that works for you, that helps support you. Because yeah. if you don't share, it can feel really isolating, right? Yeah. You, yeah. you, you just think like you're the only one who's going through it in the whole world. Like I don't know any other person that remotely lives close to me that has a child with clubfoot the only reason I know people is because we've connected outside of that right yeah so I think it's I think that's a really good thing for parents to hear and to think about too is being able to find their support system and a good way of doing that is being able to share your story yeah And I mean, and you've started the charity and I think that's amazing too. That's got to be a great way for you, a good platform to spread awareness and to feel like you're doing some good for the community. Yeah. I mean, it's still so small and because we've had lockdown, Mm -hmm. we haven't really been able to get out there and do much, but yeah. Yeah. But even just your presence on social media and your posting and your authenticity with all of your stories, I think it brings um, a realness to it that I think sometimes parents don't always get, you know. So from my perspective, I really appreciate every the work that you guys are doing. And I love following you because I love knowing when I hear from you, it's going to be the real truth, right? Like, you're really authentic, and I appreciate that so much. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. So what's something that you want to tell parents about the Ponsetti method or the clubfoot treatment in general? Like, what's something you want parents to hear? I don't know. Just, I mean, Ponsetti is such a really good really good treatment mm-hmm. if it's done correctly mm-hmm. and I think for too long so many people have have just kind of gone off on their own and oh I'm just going to change this and change that but no if we stick to what's there mm-hmm. it's really good um with high rates of success um mm-hmm. God, what was your question again sorry how you 
Yeah, what you want to tell parents just about. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm really an advocate for Ponsetti, mm-hmm. done correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, parents? I think we... There's a balance, I think, with parents because there's so much placed on them already through clubfoot treatment, right? Like you're responsible yeah. for all the bracing at home. So it would be nice for us all just to be able to check out during the casting or at least remove oh. ourselves for a minute and be like, okay, this is good. Um, but I think there's a lot of danger in that for parents. Like you said, if the Ponsetti method is going according to plan and if your practitioner knows and follows that regimently, it'll probably go pretty well. But even if it's still like parents need to be aware of the things that should be happening and then also things that could be red flags. Right. Yeah. And it's hard. Yeah. I mean, I really hate saying that because I really don't want parents to feel like they have more that they have to do. But the truth is you have to be um, at least aware of the possibility of things that can go wrong so that if that happens and you see it happening, there's something um, you feel educated enough to make informed decisions yeah. about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a shame that they have to do that. But mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's interesting because the Ponsetti method is such a um, generalized method and it seems it is when done correctly is really successful. But that doesn't mean your child's foot is no longer a club foot. Right. Like if they've gone through the method, if they've like I think that's been a learning curve that I've had to learn through this whole thing is because you're kind of told, oh, your child's foot's going to be fixed. Right. This is not only an easy fix. But it, the idea that it's fixable is something that, while it sounds really nice, is not the reality. Like, my child is always going to have two club feet, no matter if they're corrected or not, right? Yeah. Um, they're always going to be made up differently than a typical foot or lower limb would be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that part needs to be a little bit more illuminated for parents. And like you said, I think it's not validating for parents to hear, oh, this is the easiest and best of, this is an easy fix. Because for a lot of people, that's not the truth. There are complications. Not every club foot is made the same. So there's danger in treating every club foot as if it's the same. And for parents to think of every club foot treatment is going to be exactly the same. Yeah. I mean, Elsie, if someone asks her, asks her now, Mm -hmm. Oh, what happened to you or something? She'll say, Oh, I was born with a limb difference. Mm. That's what she says. She used to say, Oh, I've got a club foot, but now Mm. it's just a limb difference. Mm. That's the terminology we we use now. Yeah. Why? Why did you switch? I think she wanted to actually because mm. she because and I I when you say oh she had a club foot people kind of think oh well that's something that babies have mm-hmm. that's the, and perhaps mm-hmm. they think oh it should be fixed and actually I've mm-hmm. had so many people say oh I, I know someone who had a club foot and they had to wear um special boots for a while but then they're fine now and they mm-hmm. they play football or they do gymnastics mm-hmm. 
And so when Elsie's in her wheelchair or something, I think she just got a bit fed up of people just assuming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's, oh, a lower limb difference. Yeah. That's that's what we say now. Yeah. That's what she identifies better with now. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. can see that. I can see that there would be, um, that there is this kind of idea out there that it's going to be corrected and you're going to live a totally... You're going to, you know, just be able to do everything you possibly want to do. So yeah, kudos to you both for, you know, using the terminology that works for you guys. Yeah. There's just less question marks with it. Yeah. If you yeah. just say limb, di- limb difference, mm-hmm. people accept that better. Mm. Club foot, you get all the other stories of, oh, yeah. that's okay. Yeah. 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 I get you. So let's talk a little bit about the difference between the UK clubfoot treatment and the US. Um, we talked a little bit about it, about the referral process. What else do you is different? Did you do you guys have to pay for boots and bar for the casting? Like you had so much casting. Did you have like if yeah. that happened in the US, my bill would have been like enormous. Oh, so, so you pay for your car each cast oh my yeah. gosh yes we pay for every single thing ever under the sun oh. yeah right well yeah we don't pay for any of that never paid for a cast or her afo or boots and bars okay so yeah i mean it's not free yeah <laughs> but yeah we, we don't we don't pay out for that gotcha and what about the referral process like do you guys did you guys get to choose who your who was going to be her original treating doctor or was that somebody that you were just this was who was going to treat her? No, that was just who was there. Mm. So we had yeah, you no choice over who had her mm-hmm. who did the first treatment. It was just our local hospital. Mhm. Mhm. And then and you, you, sorry. No, I was going to say did you meet with them before she started her treatment? Or did no. she start the treatment the same day that you met with them? Yeah, just the same day. So I think, yeah, she was about 18 days old. I had to phone up to Chase for the appointment, actually. It didn't come through. Mm. Um, but, yeah, went there and just started with the first cast. Mm. And it was a really short um, appointment as well, I remember. Yeah. yeah. It was all quite rushed and really, really overwhelming. Yeah. Overall, what do you think your what's your experience been like with the healthcare system? I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's really hard to. I guess it's hard to compare mm-hmm. because I I couldn't imagine paying out for costs and all that. That would be a huge problem for us. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, it would have been twenty odd costs. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I yeah. think it's 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 slower. Like when we wanted to get the referral to the different hospital, I don't know how long that would take for you, but for us, it was a good few months mm-hmm. before we got the referral to them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, through lockdown as well, there wasn't any treatment or anything. Did you have treatment through lockdown or? I, you know, it's interesting. Um, we, a lot of stuff that were follow-ups moved to telehealth, 
um, which isn't, you know, is a poor substitute for club foot treatment, but you can at least visually see what the child's doing. Now, as far as the casting went, I think they still did a lot of the casting once they got past that first couple months of 2020, right? That March, April, May. Um, but then it was like very limited in who was allowed to go in, like that sort of thing. But oh yeah, so I think that's quite similar to mm-hmm. over here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, and now with the backlog of everything, I think there's a two year plus wait list for children to have the tendon transfers and things like that. So there's a big backlog um, now. Yeah. I don't think that has been the experience of people here. I don't think there is like this long wait list anymore. I think one of, like I said, one of the benefits is just being able to go. When we wanted to switch our doctor, we just switched. I didn't have to get like a referral. I didn't have to get as long as they were in my network. Um, Even if they weren't in my network, I would still just self-pay. And honestly, it probably would have been the same amount of money (laughs) for the type of insurance that we had. Um, But yeah, the cost prohibitive aspect of it is really impactful for families in the U.S. because it's really expensive. Um, I've had friends who had to pay for their initial treatment. And then when it didn't go and they had to go get second treatment, they had to pay again. And it was just it's like they're paying double the amount that we're paying. And sometimes we get bills like a year, a year and a half after the treatment's been done. And you're like, you didn't even, it's not even on your radar. And then there's this financial burden part of it that is realistically apart. And then if you want to travel to see a different doctor, um, that's just a whole nother added cost that you have to incur on top of the bills you're already paying. Oh. Wow. Yeah. So that we can hard. we can yeah. pay for um treatment over here. Mm-hmm. And some of the Ponsetti clinics I think do have private um consultations. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean it's really expensive. Yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting to hear the differences between I mean, I had um a woman who started a charity in Canada and her talking about her process of being in their healthcare system, which is different than the U.S. as well, and how different that process was for her to even see somebody else, like the referral process you're talking about. And so you said the hospital that she was going to had to agree that it was okay for her. So how did you get them to do that? I actually didn't. So we went to our family doctor. Okay. Um, and I said I wasn't happy with the care. And the family doctor was telling me, oh, no, this this is a really good consultant. I'm sure he's fine. Um, but I, I was really insistent. I said, no, I want to move to London. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's not like me at all, but I was really strong. And I said, no, I, I want to move. And then a few weeks later, I think he, the, the original doctor must have agreed because he yeah I I got an appointment through after that so he he must have he would have been contacted by my doctor and then he would have agreed Mm -hmm. but if he didn't agree then I'd have to have carried on Yeah. yeah that puts parents in a tricky situation too so yeah 
I think there's positives and negatives for both, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, it would have been nice not to have to pay an exorbitant amount of money for things. But at the same time, I liked being able to just make decisions, you know, um, that yeah. made our life a little bit easier. But I guess at what cost, right? Yeah. I mean, everything has worked out so well for us thus far. So who knows in the future what that will look like. But I'm going to try to cross that bridge when we come to it. Do you so, pay for surgery as well? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh. Yep. Every part we yeah. pay for. I mean, it's phone consultations with other doctors you pay for. Telehealth visits you pay for. Um, the Boots and Bar we all pay for, right? Um, so it's every part of the process is an expense incurred. Oh. And the surgeries are the are real expensive. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we haven't been through it yet. So the actual surgery of the tenotomy, which was we didn't do under general anesthesia. So for us, it was um, seemed to be less cost prohibitive because of that. Yeah. So if if we had to pay for Elsie's, all, all those costs, and then she had to have a general anesthetic, yeah, it would have been really, really expensive. I don't think we'd have been able to do it, actually. Mm-hmm. That's the it's it's hard. So not only that, but then the part of trying to figure out the treatment, trying to figure out all of it, your own mental health, and then the financial burden of it. It's really a compounding factor of trying to, yeah. you know, care yeah. and get to the finish line of the of you know with a successful treatment or to make it as successful as possible. It's it you know you can understand why the burden is placed so heavily on families. Yeah this easy fix this easy fixable for the yeah yeah the easy fix super super simple easy you know um uh, I want to hear from you I always end my podcast with people about like some moment person right so do you have a special memory or moment just like something that sticks out to you as like very like a strong memory. I mean, I do. It's not really. Is it? Yeah, I suppose it is. I mean, I don't know if you you may have seen it on my um, on Instagram and Facebook. I've, I post it every now and then, but it's a it's a fifteen second clip of Elsie at her sports day mm. when she was. Blimey, I don't know, four, five, maybe, probably mm-hmm. around five. Mm-hmm. And she had to jump over the these small hurdles. I mean, it's 15 seconds, but it just, I love it. So she jumps over, falls completely flat on her face, gets up, runs to the next one, jumps over completely flat on her face, jumps up, runs to the finish line, and then just stands there so proud that she's done it. And for me, Mm. it just sums her up it just mm. this this landing on the ground but then jumping back up and I mean I watch it with her and and she laughs and she finds it really funny but I, I it just I think that was the moment that I thought oh you know what I think she's she's gonna be okay mm. <laughs> probably doesn't make 
no makes sense I think, to you. <laughs> no, it totally does. I feel like you you described her as tenacious, and if that's not a <laughs> yeah. if that's not an example of that type of character, I don't know what is. And I think I think you're right. I think there's this. Um, there's just so much more beauty in everything that you see. And those moments just mean a lot, whether they fall or not, right? Like whether yeah. if you're like watching them be super successful, but if you watch them get back up and keep trying and to know that um, they are going to be okay. Like I can understand why that's such a special memory for you guys. Yeah. Just a small, yeah. just a small memory, but yeah. I yeah. mean, and also the other one, I would say when we started the charity and I wanted to do an awareness campaign and I asked for families to send us clips of their children in boots and bars or doing different things and I was just overwhelmed. I've got loads of really lovely clips of kids on their bikes. There's a boy doing backflips and yeah so that that's I really like that as well. That's a, a kind of oh we're doing the right thing here. This is what I should be doing. So yeah that that awareness video is is also yeah special that's that's awesome so if people want to know more about your charity where should they go um well I'm on Instagram and Facebook okay so it's head to toe lower limb charity it's such a long <laughs> I wanted something a bit more and, punchy, and it's but, the yeah. number two not spelled yes. out it's head number two head to yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. But I do have a website Instagram. as well. Okay. Facebook and your website is www.head to mm-hmm. toe charity dot org org dot uk. Okay. All right. Awesome. I'll try to link that to this podcast so that everybody can access it if they need it. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for being a guest today, Claire, and sharing your story. And I'm just really appreciative of all the work that you're doing to spread awareness. So thank you and keep up the good work. Thank you. So you understood me okay? (laughs) Yes, I understood you great. Good. I want to thank Claire for being a guest today on the podcast. I so appreciate her willingness to share her story and her continued efforts to raise awareness of Clubfoot, especially about the importance of parent education. If you like this episode, please share with anyone that you think would benefit from it. And if you need to get in contact with me, you can do so through my website at MaureenHoff.com or through my Instagram account at Clubfoot Chronicles Mom. Until next time.